from Alaska, Grim After Dark, starring John and Danny. What's going on, guys? Uh, w- welcome in. This week, we welcome uh, Best in Faction, the next generation's Lucas Troller. Uh, he's going to here to take us through the best the last week in the Warhammer community. Um, share some hobby tips that are we were going to talk about with our original guest, but that's okay. Uh, and then answer the burning questions of the internet. My name is John, and it is pretty grim after dark, or as our chat has quite eloquently said already, grime after dark, which, you know, just pays a little royalty on that. We'll let you have that as a name. Uh, my co-host today needs some explanation. Uh, he's returned to terrorize the Alaska gaming scene. It's uh, Danny McDevitt. Oh, it's no fun with the good music. Yeah. <laughs> this is like a Thunderdome thing now. Oh yeah. my god. After Val does me dirty for so long, he gives me the best intro music of all. It's like you're the freaking dragon, dude. Yeah, yeah you mean the go. intro music he gave himself for the past 20 weeks? Yeah, for sure. It's fantastic. <laughs> 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 Before before we, we get going, Danny, uh, a couple of huge tournaments this weekend. Of course, we had the Atlantic City Open, uh, which was unfortunately not streamed, uh, but some fantastic games going on here. Uh, Thomas Ogden taking uh, top place there, just narrowly beating out uh, Art of War's Anthony Finella. Uh, so good job, uh, Thomas Ogden, for stopping an Art of War like top podium. Uh, and then... What I really want to talk about, Danny, and I yeah. didn't even know about this until it was brought up earlier, uh, was the San Diego Open. I believe it means a whale's hug. Um, and not necessarily the, the tournament itself, which was won by, let me scroll up here, perfect Matthew Gayer with a Tau Empire, but Mr. Nick Nanavati. And please don't stare directly at it. It might blind you. But his beautiful uh, yellow suit. Danny, Danny, what are your, your thoughts on this? Is this, uh, in one picture, uh, a positive argument for in-person commentary for all games? No, I think it's obviously an argument against that. I mean, I guess if he was in person, he'd have to be accountable for that yellow suit. So maybe there's that's good in that there's some accountability for that fashion nightmare. Mr. Bananavati over there, like, really, <laughs> like, <laughs> living the dream. I think uh, my favorite thing about it is as a commentator, Danny, you've commentated some. Um, I know our producer obviously produces all the, the FLG and stuff here. Um, but the idea is, is you don't distract from the game or kind of uh, involve yourself in any way. Is there any way for Nick to wear that outfit within a three-mile radius of a game and not be distracting? Going to assume so distracting that uh, he, he jumped away. Oh, we're back. Okay. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think he could, uh, you know, th- with where it well, within a three mile radius, but uh, not if they're selling Chiquita bananas anywhere close by, uh, because people are going to automatically assume he's a spokesperson and mob him for free banana coupons. That's true, and that might be something to do with the the contrast paint that's being expanded. Uh, maybe he had to wear that as a promotional thing to promote the new Imperial Fist Yellow that's coming out. But we'll, we'll get to that a little later on. Um, we we've kept him waiting long enough here, Danny. Go ahead, introduce our guest for tonight. Oh man! So today, you guys, we have probably 
one of, if not the best orc player on the entire in the entire planet. And I am totally not underselling that. He's a really, really nice guy, and he he will clean your fridge out of any feta cheese that you have and or bean leftover beans. Uh, tonight we're happy to bring on Lucas Troller. Lucas, thanks for coming on. Did I say your last name right? I've never even asked you that before. Yeah, it's it's Troller, like the creature that lives under the bridge. Yeah. Hey, so uh, for those of you who aren't in a, a tiny little joke circle of 40k people, why would he clean you out of feta cheese and beans? Because usually at tournaments, my, my uh, lunch is just a cold can of black beans. I, I will usually not indulge enough to, to buy feta cheese, but uh, the beans is definitely a true story. I love myself. Now, too. here's the thing. He only pulls out the feta cheese for majors. If you're GT or lower... Purely black beans only. Yeah. It's not serious Terrible. enough for the feta cheese if it's not a major. Oh. <laughs> you know you're in trouble when he just pulls out the feta cheese. I just so you know he's really trying to win at that point. I'm yeah. ramping up to my next level. <laughs> my next level of life goes intolerable. <laughs> um, anyway, guys, we're going to start this week uh, where we all wish we could end. Uh, spiky bits. Uh, sharing, uh, of course, the headline here. Warhammer plus takes another hit um guys without any prior knowledge uh how do you think and we'll start here with lucas how do you think warhammer plus is taking a hit uh i have no idea i haven't paid any attention to anything warhammer plus related since it came out <laughs> okay, yeah, it's probably, it's probably a little little minor hit there i, I would say uh danny how actually would you say, uh... yeah so here's something we can all participate in uh so my friend got the uh he's got to see the new assassin that you get from uh from this yep. and it's apparently it's like more than six inches tall so <laughs> <laughs> i think for like line of sight purposes that that is just gonna have a real eagle eye view being up there like that comparatively to the normal vindicare model which is on like a different sized base and obviously not six feet in the air uh, the best thing I, I about mean, the free assassin. Well, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? I, I have him downstairs. It was my, you know, because I was poor. Uh, uh, oh, do you? To subscribe to the app. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, he comes attached to that giant sister head base. You can, well, you can kind of cut it off and model it off him. But, you know, if you want to not model for advantage and keep him in a sniper nest the entire time, yeah, uh, he <laughs> is sizably off the ground. Um, therefore, kind of clearing all kinds of fire lanes. Um, Lucas, if you were going to kind of do that assassin, would you cut him off the base like a coward and run him normally, or would you run him with that advantage? No, I had a 100% model for advantage. Heck yeah. That's it. <laughs> Heck yeah. 100%. The competitive stuff here. I mean, the, vind the Vindicare is so god-awful that I'm pretty sure we could give it all the advantages it for line of sight you could have in the world. It could shoot people through walls and it would be terrible. It'd still roll a one to hit. Come on. <laughs> yeah, the, the model's terrible because your dice rolling sucks. Uh, but anyway... Guys, I dived into this article to find out exactly what the stake behind all the sizzle was, shall we say, uh, with the hit the Warhammer Plus is taking. Um, I was going to ask you guys to guess what it could possibly be. There's no way you could actually guess. Um, the hit the Warhammer Plus is taking is Games Workshop is trying to hire more animators and some app developers. <laughs> so, um, I, I believe... Uh, like to directly quote Spiky Bits here, um, it seems like they have been sort of rotating <laughs> members of the app and the team as they put out two separate calls for app developers. 
Anyway, this time around, they don't say whether the person is to replace an animator or if they just realize they need more people to get the schedule rolling faster. If it's just to get out shows faster, perhaps it shows that they need more content. Uh, that was a uh, summarized three paragraphs, by the way. <laughs> um, guys, uh, so needing to hire two to three people, uh, is this the kind of hit Warhammer Plus can recover from? Maybe, maybe not. I certainly won't care. And of course, Luke is showing your, your skill. I'm just completely, with, uh, completely indifferent toward Warhammer Plus, man. <laughs> um, I guess, do me a favor then. Define what clickbait is for, for those who might not know it. <laughs> me? Yeah. Uh, when, when the company want your dollar so it make funny title. Yeah. If you look uh, at Daddy... it in the dictionary, that's what it says. <laughs> exactly for sure i like how it just uses every other word uh so it's it's more concise uh but daddy what are the dangers of purely using clickbait especially something where like this service is in trouble because they're hiring mm. well john uh, i really think that it, it it runs the risk of you becoming um some kind of immortal child human vampire like rob bear <laughs> <laughs> that's true that guy um, never ages have you seen a picture of him now comparatively to like 10 years ago it's exactly the same it's like it's like keanu reeves <laughs> dude all i know is whack don't crack um anyway it did finish the article <laughs> on a positive note uh saying that it looked like a great opportunity for someone to get into the animation side of warhammer plus the games workshop and also a giant you can apply here link <laughs> which I can only assume is set up as an affiliate link to give a 3% kickback for every click that goes through there. Um, <laughs> speaking of, if you nice. ever need any hobby supplies, say if the Portland area only has six war dogs, frontlinegaming.org has you taken care of. And if you use the link in these show notes, we do get a small kickback that helps us make terrible jokes uh, week in, week out, in a way that, that scares Val. Um, I'm also happy to report uh, that we won't ever use clickbait headlines here, uh, starting with next week's episode titled, Can Anyone Win This Game of Warhammer With This One Simple Trick? Uh, which I made a very wonderful title slide for. Amazing. <laughs> Beautiful. So that's our, that's our promise not to make clickbait. Uh, that's okay. Well, fix it in post, oh. and I will. Um, moving on to happier subject matter, uh, a unique question from the Tide of Traders Facebook group, which is actually a growing favorite group of mine. Uh, we were asked to ponder uh, the following things here. Warner Brothers has realized that there's a lot of money in this 40K stuff. So they've partnered with GW to do a film project, but all the people they would get to head up the project died in a massive freak accident. So they've asked you to do it. They've agreed to give you Kubrick-style full creative control. Nobody messes with this project without your explicit say-so. What are you going to do, and who is Henry Cavill going to play? Uh, guys, why are we making a Warhammer movie in a world where approximately 7 billion people have died in a freak accident? Because it'd be funny. <laughs> uh, and more importantly, what would the show I mean, be about? That was part of wow. the question. Yeah. So I guess really what it's asking there 
um, is, is what would your pitch be? What movie would you make in, in the Warhammer 40,000 uh, universe? Uh, if you had to not worry about suits or executives or anything like that. Mm. Hmm. I mean, just, just for me, I think there's so much cool to ex cool things to explore in terms of Warhammer lore that don't involve humanity. I feel like basically every sci-fi or fantasy universe focuses on humanity. I'd love to see something like the good guys are, I don't know, the Eldar or the Tower, something like that, and the bad mm -hmm. guys are another Xenos race or Chaos or something like that. See, so, yeah, that um, World of Warcraft film did great. Just... <laughs> 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 yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, got him. Um, also, Danny, wouldn't Henry Cavill, Cavill be one of the people who died so you could get this project so you couldn't actually cast him? Because surely he would be a better choice. Ow. I mean, how would you accurately represent the Warhammer fan base, though, if you didn't pick some of the nerds that play this game? I think it would be That's tough. fair. Man, could you imagine if it was just, like, the top 32 at LVO this year? That was your cast. And you were like, okay, guys, our effects budget's real small. 7.2 billion people have died, and, and there's a lot of bills that are coming for that. Um, you're all you're all just space marines. Here's an egg carton. Good times. Um, regardless, know, John, I was thinking yeah. about a movie that I would remake. Okay, yeah, yeah. Go, go I, movie. I go By the way, chat, chat suggests a rom-com, which I'm all about. Ooh, okay. I'm thinking I would reshoot The Ghost in the Darkness. <laughs> <laughs> in the 40k universe except the man-eating lions of savo would be replaced with like lictors what do you think i mean you could that'd be okay i'm thinking something like uh, if you're familiar with the popular movie free guy uh, no. which accounts a tale of a character in a video game um oh. And people in danger, uh, like actual danger, inside a video game, and how while that relates to an existing 40k story, Danny, I know we've talked about before, uh, where Corn invades the internet and goes to kill uh, some space marines. Uh, I mean, God, it's an excellent story, John, uh, and you'd it love is. to see it. Uh, you'd love to see it, but I Lawnmower Man was already made. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please never make that. No, that's fair. Uh, uh, Lucas's co-host, uh, Tyler Bortel, letting us know, of course, LVO Top 32 includes Lucas. True. Uh, which... uh, guys, regardless of, uh, regardless of what you say, uh, Matthew Bradley actually had the best answer of all that no one can ever beat when he said, Cavill plays a heroic guardsman who leads a valiant of doom charge against the foe in the first few minutes before dying instantly and gruesomely the moment he goes over the top. Every other character is played via CGI by Guy Fieri. In the grim darkness of the 41st millennium, there is only Flavortown. I'm down for that. Wow. Down for that. that yeah. that's pretty, that's, John, that's yeah. powerful. That's powerful that's stuff. Powerful. Could you just imagine uh, Gulliman with the glasses and the spiky hair and the beard? <laughs> Just going over the Codex Astartes while talking to himself. It's great. Uh, yeah, love that thing. Dropping by uh, Warhammer Community once more. Uh, Warhammer Community, of course, the infamous leaker of models and rules. Uh, we found this guy here. An Ironkin warrior for the League of Votan. 
Guys, uh, starting here with you, Lucas, how do you feel about AI robots in 40K? Ah, that model looks gross, dude. I think that model looks so silly. Uh, <laughs> personally, not a fan of that model. Um, Is it the apron? <laughs> that's part of it. Yeah. Okay, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. I call bullshit on this. That model, the proportions of that model are exactly the same as an orc. So what's the difference? It's missing the it's giant those dump truck of a butt that all the old orcs have. <laughs> you you don't know he doesn't have one. He could have a lot of actuators back there. That's fair. I haven't seen it yet, so I can't be a fan. Actuators. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, hey. Chad, of course, letting us know. Chad, letting us know the apron is an essential part of the aesthetic. Um, Danny, why do they look like baby castellans? Well, supposed to. It's kind of like an evolution of that technology. I'm super excited to see the rest of this stuff and, like, how integrated the robots are like is it a unit upgrade or like a separate unit or even a character i think it could be really cool mm -hmm. yeah how do you guys think uh adeptus mechanicus is going to react kind of from a lore standpoint to the sudden resurgence of a ton of angry midgets running around with stuff that's uncomfortably close uh to admech technology uh some of them will probably laugh and some of them will probably try to steal it and others will just have a mental breakdown classic admech style but when they have a mental breakdown, you just turn them off and on again, sorts it right out. Danny, <laughs> how do you think uh, we're going to, like, it's going to react? Because we are seeing a lot of uh, items come out, which are very close to Imperium cell technology. Sure. I think it's been revealed that some of the squats have a lot of different kinds of bolters. Mm -hmm. Like, so, I mean, they're going to utilize effectively Imperial technology, but I'm sure it's going to be better because, you know, they're dwarves and stuff. Yeah, they're leagues, leagues of Votans. Dwarfs, yes, I've been corrected Sorry. before. Awful slur. Uh, the, they're Votanians. Uh, guys, <laughs> Danny, what else are you expecting to see from the league? We've had uh, robots that look like other robots. We've had bikers that look like uh, like other admic stuff. We've had uh, dwarfs uh, in their things there. What else are you expecting to see from League of Votan? God. You yep. know, there's only one thing I want to see, and you know what? Like it's 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 arrival will be heralded heralded by the choo chewing of a of a thousand train whistles, and that's the land train, John. You want to see, you want to see the land train as soon as possible, and it's like I hope it's just an absolutely integral part of the army where you can't field that army without at least one land train. You probably want two. I really want to get on. Um, the merchandise bandwagon early. You guys know me. Um, how, what are we going to do for Grim After Dark train whistles? Like just branded train <laughs> whistles. The, the well, weekend, yeah, you know, I have, have skulls too. If it's going to be forty, if it's going to be a forty k train whistle, it should be shaped like a skull. I feel like bird of train of coming. That's right, because uh, <laughs> we made fun of or, or piped up the land train like a huge deal, um, like. You're a little younger, just a tad. What is what is your view of kind of like the squad aesthetic or like the League of Votan that's coming back? What are your views of the League of Votan as an army within 40k? Uh, I'm pretty excited for it. I'm curious to see what role it fills within Imperium because I feel like Imperium's already like very fleshed out, like the traditional factions with bolt guns and stuff like that. I feel like we've already got a lot of factions that are just like bolt gun plus power armor. So I'm curious to see where they fit in. Um, but if they can kind of get a unique thematic and like play style niche i think they could be pretty fun i'm excited honestly yeah 
Absolutely. Well, other people should be excited, but never are Chaos Space Marine players. Uh, and right. your wait is almost over. Um, but until then, let us rip a bunch of your units out of your book, improve them a little bit, and release them solely in a White Dwarf article. Uh, coming out this month, Perfect. the world leaders are coming, and they are not calm. Uh, they're a little bit angry. Uh, Danny, I know you've had a chance to look over the rules, or at least, God, I, I hope you do, because I just made a definitive statement. Um, but what's your take <laughs> on the world leaders? Uh, John, I think they're a pretty. I think they're a pretty interesting unit. Um, I'm interested to see how they slot into the rest of the. Like, is this something I can take with my Chaos Space Marines? Um, I mean, they hit really hard. They seem like they're pretty decently priced for an assault troop, especially if they have uh, Armor of Contempt. Like, if they have that going on, they're going to be very, very good. So, especially at 22 points a model. Stupid so, amount yeah. of attacks for 22 points a model as well. I know. It's five attacks a model. That's, Ugh. and like, with, like, Strength 6, AP minus 3. Oh, my God. Yeah. Lucas, have you had a chance to look over the, the chaos stuff coming out for World Eaters? Not really very much. Um, I'm excited that they hit hard. That should be a prerequisite for World Eaters. Um, but to really be an effective army, they got to either like move fast, have transport shenanigans, or be resilient. And I just don't have enough. I don't know enough about how good they are to know if they have that. But if they're fast, I mean, they could be like really scary updated white scars, and that's always terrifying. Something like yeah. that. Absolutely. Mark of Cornate, of course, letting us know. He might be a small expert in the world matter of Cornish units. We don't know. It could just be an ironic name. Um, but it is less attacks than they have now. But I think there's, you know, a, a little extra wound hidden well. in there somewhere to make up for it. Who knows? Um, of course, I want to thank you as well for continuing the chaos kind of stereotype of complaining about something. Uh, when it's generally being true. Danny, will some YouTuber who actually spends time making appropriate graphics put them in some oh. kind of like tier ranking system? Like, where do you think world leaders are going to land in this meta that we have right now? Mm. Uh, I think they definitely are going to land in uh, <clears throat> in paper tier, John. Mm -hmm. um, uh, I think that they will be destroyed uh, by scissors tier armies like uh, Eldar and Tau. Um, but they will be able to defeat uh, rock armies um, like Imperial Guard. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's a high bar. Man. Uh, Lucas, on a scale of one to pie emoji, how good do you think world leaders are going to be? <laughs> uh, the low end is one. Oh, I never said that. I said on the scale of one to pie emoji. <laughs> on the scale of one to pie emoji, I'm thinking about a two. I'm thinking they move oh. six inches and they don't have advance and charge, so sadness. <laughs> no. Uh, if you go to, by the way, the link that, that Val keeps shilling in there, uh, you can buy a rhino, uh, which I heard world leaders love rhinos. Uh, maybe even from a second-hand store. Uh, now, <laughs> organized play never really left because the ITC kind of jumped in from the dark days of 6th edition. But now Games Workshop is jumping aboard, too, with the return of organized play. Uh, the new organized play kit is coming for stores. It's going to cover up to 32 players, comes with exclusive objective cards, trophies, certificates, and they're going to go from 40k, Age of Sigmar, Warcry, Kill Team, and oh, Underworlds, but not so fast, Horus Heresy. Not you guys. Uh, Danny, how important is GW's involvement in organized play uh, to help it grow? Oh my God, it's massive. I know that we used to like, uh, like uh, st the stores that I used to play at had kind of more of a 
shoestring budget so like renting out the space for the day was actually you know mostly what the tournament was charging for right and so they didn't have a lot of money for prizes and games workshop at that point in time had a really nice like prize system for stores where they could give out products um yeah i think it's super valuable i think that promotes the hobby even more it's really nice to see them kind of put their support um behind like and a very important part of the hobby to be honest yeah Lucas, are you more willing, to, would you think, to go to a GT that was run and supported by, like, a GW competitive pack than another GT? That runs GW's pack? Yeah, I definitely would. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in playing GW missions. Maybe not so much in the new packet, but, uh, yes. I love it when we can write stuff off before release date. It makes the reviews way easier. <laughs> way, way easier. Now, Danny, if this is similar to the Underworlds uh, tournament pack that came out a few years ago, these packs are actually pretty expensive for the retailer to purchase and kind of bring in. Um, do you think oh. by applying it to like a name brand? Yeah, because these are, if it's the same as the Underworlds kit, it's a tournament kit that the retailer pays for to, to have the benefit oh, okay. of having okay. this in here. Um, with the name brand recognition of 40K, though, rather than, you know, Underworlds, which was a smaller game system, um, do you think that's going to really help push this pack out to more stores? Uh, yeah, potentially. It depends if there's any kind of uh if there's any kind of like benefit that the store is getting out of this like particularly like are are they, will they be put on like a like a gw tournament database or like uh printed on like a website or something um like i think that that would be that would be valuable for the store but otherwise maybe i mean there might be some uh some advantage that especially if like these organized play uh, events that gw has has kind of like a a standardized set of terrain uh, or missions or something mm -hmm. like that. Like I can see that un uniformity being really appealing to a lot of people. Yeah. Do you guys, and this is to both of you here, so jump on in. Do you see the support of organized play at a retail level um, affect tournaments run away from a store environment by independent tor tournament organizers? I I don't think so. Um, because I feel like uh, like these like almost all these big uh, tournaments are supported by at least one store, so it was, should be easy for them to obtain a prize if they want one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm basically in the same boat. I think so. I don't know. What do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I I was basically going to say what you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, great. Love it. I think it's very exciting. And like the guy said, <laughs> uh, just having. Okay. Um, that level of support is a great thing here. We've seen GW doing their, their super majors over here and expanding out to kind of a more of a local level is only a good thing. And if you only have 32 spots at your store, uh, you're going to go sign up so you can hopefully get the chance at an official paper certificate. Uh, guys, news broke today and caused me to rewrite a third of this show, uh, but about uh, the new Citadel color range expanding its color range. They're not updating that color app that I bought that was a year old now. Uh, but they are bringing out new contrast paints. Um, guys, what, what's your take on this refresh? Is this appropriate news for that kick-ass trailer that they played the other day? Uh, whether or not it's appropriate for the trailer, I'm just excited about... Anytime, anytime GW puts forward hobby stuff, I'm super excited because I love the hobby side of the, of the game. I don't get enough of it because I'm in so many competitive circles that I, I just I crave all the hobby stuff. Contrast isn't really my thing, but it looks pretty cool. What do you think, Dan? Yeah. Man, those colors, some of those like brighter colors, I really like there's a, 
I think there's like a Craft Worlds Emerald or something like that uh, that they mm -hmm. have painted, like one of the Corsairs, and it looks really cool. It's kind of like a darker blue-green. I really like that color. But yeah, I'm, I'm excited about brighter colors for contrast. I think that's awesome. Like, that has so many great applications, even for like uh, like doing silly little things like painting fire and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. would be so much easier with brighter colors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they also announced that the gloss range of shade paint is going away. Um, I know that's not something I ever used, uh, but are you guys sad that you can't get the shiny, the shiny gloss? Yes, very much so. I did not know that was a thing, and my whole Space Marine army is painted with that. Okay, time to go buy uh, all the Agrax Urshed gloss that Guardian Games has in stock. Let's go. <laughs> you can also, if you look at the show notes here, uh, buy all of the, the Agrax Urshed gloss that Frontline Gaming has in their store. <laughs> oh, um, true. Yeah, my bad. I, I, I just read the, the line on my script. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Um, you, Danny, you saved it. <laughs> saved it. Totally. Um, uh, they also said that they're going to have a new white spray, the skull white spray paint here. Um, how do you think Danny yeah. Art Warhammer feels that his paint name suggestion, the whitest white, was used by GW as a descriptor for a spray can? <laughs> Look, he's just happy for more white. <laughs> he doesn't. I mean, like the naming thing. Yeah, that's a bummer. But he'll he'll definitely go for for a whiter white. Guys. Uh, I just want snakebite leather and goblin greenback. Is that so much to ask? Uh, like, that would keep me, me the happiest. It's not happening. Um, my favorite comment, and again, we had to rework this a little bit, but I kept you want, this in. You will, hold on a minute. I want to yeah. unpack that a little bit. Go, let's unpack. John, you want goblin greenback? What, what do you want goblin green for? Goblin green was the finest green ever produced um, by GW. Bar none. What am I meant to use instead? So many things, but not about this. <laughs> the goblin green. I love it so. It was back in the day when the paint didn't dry and the pots weren't designed to dry and make you buy more. Um, I want to relive the red I don't want to paint all my bases in a way that Ooh. angers nerds. Uh, but That's really... Weird. My favorite comment uh, was uh, someone kind of responding to GW's post, uh, teaser post from yesterday, um, saying that they just want the colors to be more confusingly named with examples given of Necron Flesh, uh, an ultramarine pink, uh, which made me quality, quality <laughs> names there. Um, and yes, yes, Matt, I am yelling at clouds uh, as an old man here. Uh, if you were to name a paint color a very confusing name, uh, starting with you, Danny. What would you name it? A brand new paint? Yeah. What would be a terrible name to give a paint color? Oh, man. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, Crute Hound Yellow. Oh, we might move to Lucas here. Uh, what would you name a paint color? Oh, Orc. man. Orc Green. I mean, I feel Orc that's green. fairly... Self-explanatory, but okay, great. Yes. Danny, now that someone's done ordering their number three meal. <laughs> um, mine was, I, I was going to do Crude Hound Yellow because nobody wants, no, nobody wants to, nobody wants to see that. No. Are you insinuating that people don't buy yellow paint? No, that people don't like Crude Hounds. <laughs> oh yeah, get them out of here. 
hope I never have to oh, see one of those things again. That's fair. Guys, we're going to move al <laughs> We're going to move along here to uh, Battle of Lost Souls. Uh, we're an article here caught my eye a little bit ago. Um, but it's not really anything bad. It's about this. Bolt Gun. A retro shooter that's on the way to Steam accounts everywhere. If you like the original Doom or if I think Quake, which is kind of more like here, you're going to love uh, Bolt Gun. Uh, as we can see here, it's just a uh, beautiful uh, Quake original style graphics of just shooting nurglings. Um, Danny, were you a Quake guy when you were uh, a child? Oh, yeah, for sure, John. I love Quake. Yeah. Um, Lucas, how do you feel? How do you feel about um, <laughs> Lucas? How do you feel about like these retro shooters coming out? Where like, do you have a lot of experience kind of playing the old Doom or Quake or things like that? I've played a little bit of the old Doom, uh, a lot more of the newer Dooms, but uh, I'm just excited for it. Anything that brings more people to the hobby is a good thing, and if we can reach out to any community um, via a video game, I'm all about it. Okay, guys. Uh, Doom obviously famous for the BFG nine thousand. Uh, which is their their hardcore giant weapon? Uh, what is the 40k equivalent uh, of a BFG 9000? Oh, that's easy. It's the shock attack gun. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, instead of shooting a giant green, instead of shooting a giant green ball, it shoots like terrified living things through hell. And then they rip you apart within your armor. So, suitably, 40k. I'm really excited uh, for the Space Marine uh, lead character of uh, Bolt Gun to just pull out his shock <laughs> attack gun, pull out his little bag of snotlings, and just go to town. Uh, beautiful. Oh, I'm very excited for this game. That's why I wanted to bring it up here. Uh, wait until it comes out where Grim After Dark will just turn into streams of us sucking hard at that game. Uh, guys, we adjusted misreference four. Uh, if I was, uh, I was originally scheduled to have uh, John Paul here. Uh, things came up. John Paul, of course, does uh, the hobby blogs over on Frontline Gaming. Uh, but we're still going to keep these questions because I found some nice pictures and I made one nice question out of five. So starting with this guy here, uh, guys, this is if you're not already aware, an airbrush, which I have to say is the absolute bane of my existence. Uh, Danny, guys, have you ever used an airbrush for, for your kind of stuff there? Oh, yeah. Big time. I just yeah. started using it. Honestly, like, and like just recently, actually, I started um, using it a lot. I used it a little bit before, but just to put like a base color on, but not really kind of experiment with it. And uh, mm -hmm. I've been painting my almost my entire Tau army with it. And it's been very fast and really cool. Unlike your towel, which are not cool. Uh, Lucas, do you use airbrushing in, in your hobby work? Uh, that was that was cruel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I well, no, I don't actually use. I've never used an airbrush. I'm always. I learned to paint with a brush, and I have always used a brush. Um, yeah. Could you see yourself kind of learning that? Because for me, like I start, I try. I bought obviously the entire setup as we are willing to do. I tried it once, and I was like, I'm never doing this again. What kind of stands in your way of wanting to try airbrushing? Uh, the fact that it's entire like new skill to learn. It'd be like learning to paint with a brush from scratch, 
and I'm not about that right now. I have something that works well enough, even if it takes a little longer. Yeah. Danny, what, what was your kind of introduction like? Was it just kind of like, uh, did you kind of get it right away? Did you have to build up to it? Did you kind of quit and come back to it? Uh, the, the last one actually is exactly what happened. So I tried it once, uh, in preparation for like LVO, like 2018 or 2019, I think. And, uh, uh, yeah, it must've been 2018, I think. Anyway. Uh, so I was, I, w- I had to paint this Eldar army pretty quickly. And so I wanted to get everything done. And so I sprayed stuff and I'm like, man, this is such a pain. Like, it just it takes so long to clean everything and like do, do this like this sucks i'm going to i'm just going to paint by brush and so i put it away and then i realized that like i had a good like like a paint scheme in mind for an airbrush uh and like cuz like if you ever whenever you're painting like a dark red um which like my admec are um mm-hmm. it's really nice to be able to use like the the red to black uh like kind of ratio that you can really only get with an airbrush so I just decided to start using it then. It was it was super awesome. It it worked way better than I remembered and it was a lot easier. Um so yeah, it was uh it was it was a really great help to me when I when I started using it again after I stopped. Yeah. Um well that really ruins this part because I just wrote here we all bitch about airbrushes being dumb. Uh so thank you <laughs> for, for ruining that part. But moving on, hey. uh this next one here. <laughs> Next up, we have these essential hobby tools. Uh, of course, my brushes, uh, being as disheveled as the ones on the left-hand side of your screen coming up. Um, guys, what's a great brush to use? Like, like you have the GW ones, which you know, man, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna eat out for a week. I'm gonna refinance my home, and then I can afford a, a set of great brushes. Or you have like your Michael special, where you grab like 35 of them. Uh, Lucas, what brushes do you use? Uh, what do you find success with? Man, I got the worst of both worlds because I, I buy the GW brushes for 500 bajillion dollars and then I only, you know, buy new ones every like four months. So on the by the time the third and a half month rolls around, I'm, I'm like painting with a stick. It's great. Yeah, like the, the thing at the left, I'm, I'm at three and a half months, I'm, I'm hoping my brushes look like that. Let's go. Yeah. Right now, I'm... Um... <laughs> like batch painting 12 war dogs and i had to specifically buy a new brush to do it because my brush is trash and i'm like i'm not doing this trim more than once uh, and i accidentally oh. did that there danny you grabbed it a bag there uh yeah i wanted to remember have? exactly what i had so uh the paintbrush that i've, I've had uh uh windsor newton series sevens that i used oh um, could have talked well. <laughs> to who did your flg contract windsor newtons <laughs> um uh i just found that like if you have a really nice brush it helps your painting out so much like your your line control and stuff like that so i use like the pink brush soap and i also condition my brushes too sometimes so like they last a really long time Um, so even though these are kind of expensive brushes at like you know 10 or yeah danny of course as we're seeing here uh taking better care of his brushes than I do my, my wife. Um, Lucas, what do you think are some uh, common mistakes people are uh, making uh, with, with br- like brush painting? Like, or, or what are some things you see where like, yeah, don't do that? Um, one thing that I had to learn the hard way was painting by batches, but not in the extreme. 
Because I feel like if you if you get enough of one thing together, it's miserable. But if you just do it one at a time, it's also miserable. So hitting that happy medium where you're burying it enough that it's fun um, was a skill I learned over many years. With, I do like, by, the, by the way, chat here, uh, Matt Austin, with the, the quality comment. Daddy takes better care of his brushes than he does his <laughs> internet connection, which <laughs> top That's where I thought you were going to go, and then you, you, you went somewhere else. Oh, um, man. <laughs> guys, this is to both of you here. Um, what, what Actually, what's your, your biggest batch paint? Mine, I batch painted 100 uh, pox walkers uh, at once, and I will never paint another pox walker again. Uh, Lucas, what's your biggest batch paint? 16 mech guns because they also have oh. like the four crew and I yeah. scratch built all the mech guns. So that was You didn't want to spend $47 per 25 point unit model? No. No, <laughs> hell no. Danny, what about you? What's uh, you're a batch painter? What's the biggest thing you've uh, batched? Uh I batch painted an orc army a couple years ago. Uh so I did uh uh 90 boys like 45 Ludas and like uh, 60 Gretchen. Mm-hmm. Dude, love it. It's it's brutal. I, I, I find with batch painting, once you do it, you'll never want to paint that model ever again. So paint a lot of it. <laughs> um, I will, like I said, Lucas, I don't think you'll ever paint another Mega. Me, I will never paint another Poxwalkers. Uh, Asterix, unless, of course, that unit becomes incredibly good and incredibly fast, in which case I will paint a whole bunch of them. Moving on, uh, some more here. And, guys, you can find tips on how to use all of these on FrontlineGaming.org and the Hobby Hangout uh, uh, articles. Uh, Microset and Microsol. Danny, I think I heard about these from you, first of all. Um, the... The young Microset and Microsol. Uh, tell me about those. Yeah, perfect. Uh, Lucas, do you know what uh, Microset and Microsol is? No, not not much. Are they? They look like they were for decals or something. I, yeah. So sure. these are tools. Like, so me personally, I hated decals. Decals are like the worst thing I ever to put together. Um, I will just not put them on because uh, space green shoulder pads. Uh, Microset and Microsol are two chemicals you can use in order to make the process uh, way easier, way quicker, uh, way faster to put them on. And I hear nothing but good things. Uh, Post charity hammer. I'm going to use those on my my nights uh, to make those look a, a little bit better here. Uh, Danny, we have a sad face. Do we have a sad voice? No, we don't have a sad voice either. Yeah, um, but they, they are fantastic for the things. They, they are worth it, uh, but again, transfers are a giant pain in the, the rear. I do think, though, I hear from my echo. We have a little Danny. Can you hear me? Yeah! Hey! Woo! Tell us about you your Microsoft. I know that isn't what? a euphemism. <laughs> Tell us about the micro, Microset Microsoft. Oh yeah, use one on like before you put on the decal, and then you use the then you use the uh, the set like to set it in there, so that like covers it kind of like a lacquer. Yeah, beautiful stuff. Simple to use. Love it. Uh, we have coming up now uh, what I like to refer to as the CrossFit or veganism uh, of painting. Um, oh. Oh. Uh, Danny, if you want to describe what you're seeing in this slide here. Uh, is that a salt shaker? 
grinder? Yes, it salt is. Grinder? Yeah, it's a salt shaker beside a, uh, a little container. Uh, Lucas, do you have any idea what this is about here? Salt shaker beside a container? Uh, I mean, if there's salt involved, it's definitely something to do with 40K. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so this is a leaked picture from the new Chaos Space Marine Codex. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, <laughs> So what this is here is um, a, a type of weathering. So, so what happens is they put like the, the salt on them. They, they do like a rust pattern. They put salt on the model and then they paint over it. And then when you oh. use um, water, washes the salt away, makes it look like you have weird random rust everywhere in, in a pattern that's bizarre. Um, have any of you done like any weathering techniques on your models? Uh, does dry brushing count? Heck yeah. Yeah, dry brushing yeah. makes it look good enough, in my opinion. Um, but no, that, that stuff always looks super cool. One of my favorite things to do is just explore the internet and see all the crazy things people are doing. They're just throwing like salt on their on their terrain and models and stuff for weathering. It's wild. How, the people like, how do you think out. he came up with that? Was he just like making dinner and painting at the same time and accidentally dropped like a ton of salt on the thing? Like, wow, this like... looks sick! <laughs> <laughs> What's the weirdest yeah. thing you found Warhammer related? Uh, while, while searching online in your many journeys, Lucas, um, that was actually super helpful. Oh, oh. man, I need a minute <laughs> to think about that. Holy cow! Well, let's move over to Danny here. Um, Danny, what are your your like? We see a lot of models that are overweathered. Uh, this is kind of where I kind of put yeah. in like that CrossFit and veganism reference. It kind of isn't super necessary. Um, do you think things look too weird if they're overweathered? Um, it can get to a point where it's a little bizarre. Like it's like, all right, man. Like nobody's this weather beaten. It just it just stop it stops looking realistic. Like nobody gets that dirty, right? Well, um, I don't know. Haven't the Death Guard not showered for ten thousand years? I'd probably do it. Probably does it. But yeah, there, there's like an excessive like you have. This is my Space Marine tank. It looks like it has, like, this is a revered god machine worshipped by thousands, and there's only, like, a certain amount left in existence, but we left it out in the rain over there. Um, and we really, we haven't used it in a while, so we should let the paint kind of flake. Uh, Lucas, time's up, bud. Let's let's go. Well, what did you come up with? Uh... Just in terms of inspiring conversions, it's some of the wild orc armies that I see out there that are just like Chaos Knight armies, but also orcs or Tyranid armies, but also orcs because there's orcs riding them or something like that. That definitely inspired some crazy mech conversions on my part. But as an orc player, you also kind of have the thing where um, not only do you see some fantastic conversions out there, you see some, some very questionable conversions out of there. Um, what's the most questionable conversion you've seen for orcs? Oh, um, it was definitely BAO a couple years ago. Uh, my, well, Tyler, uh, my co-podcast host, ran into a guy who was running a war boss on a 25, who was an orc boy on a 25 mil base, on a 32 mil base, on a 40 mil base. So it was just stacked bases <laughs> and an orc boy on top, and that was his war boss. That was a little, that was a little strange. I love it. You got his own little podium. Um, Danny, Danny, what about you? Have you seen like so, some real qual quality orc conversions? Yeah. Like really, really weird stuff. Like I've, I saw a guy one time 
who used like a big like C-130 model kit, but like turned on its side as an orc, like as an orc stompa. But it was like three times wider than a normal. So it could like shoot around all the buildings and stuff. It was like so ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that kind of stuff. Just terrible. Well, it's just a of like what the unit is supposed to represent. Awesome. Uh, Subversion Arts asking Val where his soundboard is because we're dying out here. Uh, we, we, we want, of course, uh, let him know that Val does plan to, to let, tell us he end up old yeller uh, behind his shed uh, after this episode. Um, moving on, finally here from the hobby track. Uh, what's going on here uh, with this picture? I, I have no clue. <laughs> Any of you guys kind of want to hazard a guess at what's going on there? Are they masking the window? Yeah, liquid like, so mask. So that they can spray over it? Liquid mask. Do you guys have any experience with liquid mask here? Looks like Elmer's glue. I've used that before. <laughs> it pretty much is Elmer's glue, right? Uh, what do you, what do you use liquid mask for? Danny, do you use uh, it? I've used it before for, uh, I've used it before for like Eldar tanks, like the, the windows. Mm-hmm. So you like yeah. put that on over it before you prime it, and then you you paint and everything like that, and then you take it off, and there's still clear windows. Yeah, and again, thank you, uh, producer, saying an airbrushing technique for two guys who don't airbrush. Uh, let me tell you how well this segment would have hit uh, if we had a hobby person on here. That's okay though. Um, finally, we're gonna round out tonight uh, with good wine because we're being kind of short on those today. Uh, so we're gonna have a good wine or two and a terrifying model. Like Danny, it's coming. It's this is a terrifying conversion. Um, first off, right here, we are talking about the daughter of Creed. Who who would have seen that that would have been an issue here? Uh, this person says it's a good sculpt, but I don't think it's what ninety percent of their fan base want. I think they're trying to ingri ingratiate themselves with the progressive liberal left, and it's a bad move. I don't want every female miniature to be butts and boobs, but I don't want this kind of forced realism either. If they're going for realism, there should not be any female troops at all. GW are going oh, to God. lose their base. Uh, Lucas, you rubbed your forehead in pain, so I'm going to go to you first here. Uh, what, what's your take on this? Uh, There's a couple red flags. A couple red flags here. First <laughs> saying... You don't want boobs and butt, but you also don't want realism. Um, there shouldn't be female troops, kind of fun stuff like that. Is this kind of uh, is this kind of take that you can get behind? No, absolutely not. What a <laughs> that's, that's just I don't get it, man. Why, Danny? Uh, who are the base that GW were losing uh, with, with production of of miniatures? No one. Garbage people. <laughs> people who probably weren't buying miniatures anyway. Just the worst. But oh my god. The worst part they of the want, fan base, man. They want uh, pretty sculpts that they can scan and then 3D print themselves uh, from afar. <laughs> and they can't do that with this Ursula Creed because uh, there's too many layers or something like that. Uh, moving on. Next up, if you thought that last take was insane. This is literally insanity um i had to split this into two different 
uh, two different slides. That's how insane this take is here. Um, here we go. I have a prediction. The Votan is GW's way of testing the waters for making 40k less grimdark. The Horus Heresy is them setting up a forever grimdark setting, which forever grimdark, by the way, great clothing store. Uh, the big prediction is that the Imperium overall will make a massive face turn, professional wrestling turn, by the way, to just become a good person. Um, people who still want grimdark will have to go to the Horus Heresy. Space Marines will be the same in terms of being good guys as the Stormcast Eternals. Space Eternals, if you will. Uh, again, Lucas, you're rubbing your forehead in pain. That is, that's uh, that's my first sign to go to you first. Um, do you think that the Votan is GW's way of testing the waters for making 40k less grimdark? Absolutely not. I don't. I don't even see how they're that grimdark. A and B. Look at all the other things they've put out recently. It's still keeping the grimdark tone. Mm -hmm. um, I I don't see where this take is coming from at all insanity it's i'm assuming it's a heresy person because they defended their game valiantly johnny please go i'm waiting John, for you to jump in with your rage there's, it's because there was the woman biker model that's why they made this response that's because why you can't be grimdark and a lady right exactly it's just the Can same Ursula it's it's right there it's right there in front of you yeah, this whole time. Who would have known? Uh, okay, we aren't done yet, though. As we found out, there's more to this take. Um, he so continues, great. the other part of this prediction is that the Emperor will wake up and put an end to the tyrannical, theocratic state left after he went into a coma. He mm -hmm. will essentially become Space Sigmar. Uh, we're going to stop right there and kind of... Guys, Danny, I know, I know you're big on the lore here. Uh Lucas, hopefully you are too, because a lot of these questions are relating to that. But Lucas, do you see uh, the Emperor waking up, entirely changing the Imperium, uh, making uh, Age of Sigmar appear in, in 40k? No. The one constant with 40k has been that the Emperor is the way that he is. I don't see him waking up. Also, that's like completely not <laughs> the world that Sigmar woke up to. To get to your yeah. lower point, sir. Danny, last week uh, we mentioned that uh, there was some complaints that the FLGN stream team only covers uh, 40k, uh, not Age no. of Sigmar. Of yeah. course, you know, uh, why two people with one set of equipment can't cover multiple game systems, beyond me. Um, but do you think this is an Age of Sigmar player trying to stealth Age of Sigmar streams into 40k by just changing the story to be Age of Sigmar? Interesting, John. Yeah. It's obvious. That's exactly what this guy is doing. That's unbelievable. John, the conspiracy that you found here runs so deep. I will say, my last name does start with Q. Um, he continues. This goes on, guys. This is, this is the final part of this comment here. Why do I think this? GW has a chance to go mainstream, and Grimdark is impossible to sell to the mainstream making the Space Marines the good guys protecting an empire that isn't so bad anymore, we'll do that. Um, Lucas, is it impossible for GW to go mainstream? Uh, I don't think so. Grimdark can definitely be, be mainstream, I feel like. It just hasn't reached enough audiences yet. I mean, there's this little show uh, on Netflix uh, called uh, Stranger Things uh, that, that's a little, a little grimdark with its subject matter. 
um, hopefully it can push through the, the, the pushback and become a popular enough show uh, to really become some kind of like cultural phenomenon. Uh, Danny, uh, how do you view this person wanting or saying that GW is going to make Space Marines good guys? Uh, why? Like, what is prompting this? Like, what is wrong with this person? <laughs> I, I, oh, and I, then I, 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 Andrew DeSalt jumping in saying, Graham Dark is becoming mainstream. Haven't you read the news? And that just made me sad. Because yeah, like, life finds a way, uh, as they once said. Uh, and then, yep, Subversion Arts letting us know uh, that we all need yellow jackets, which I agree for. We just banana the whole thing up. Uh, hopefully it won't mess too much for the green there. Finally, finally, guys, one of the things I hate the most is the term true scale Marines. Uh, generally, it's just someone buying Terminator legs and putting a tactical Marine top on there and then complaining uh, when the heresy line actually makes our Marines true scale. Uh, Danny, what, what's your take on the true scale phenomenon? It can look nice if it's well done. Um, that's not always the case. Sometimes people go a little overboard and make these like super Marines. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lucas, uh, what's your true scale Marines? If I was to say that phrase to you, uh, what's your reaction? Um, I mean, in my head, that just is a synonym for Primaris Marines in my head, which I know will okay, dude, there's, there's off like a whole literally... crowd of people. Literally 7,000 heresy players turned their heads and were angry, and they didn't know why at this exact moment with, with that one statement. Um, but hey, uh, our good friend Josh here finally found the perfect example of why I hate the term true scale marine, as we see here in what can only be called. Uh, thank you, Val, uh, for putting in that orc conversion. That is not a true scale marine, that's a Mr. Potato Head. Uh, that was turned into a stompa. But maybe now, there we go. This is a, an example of, I think, awful taste, but great execution, because the paint scheme is amazing. Uh, if our producer wants to zoom on in there, feel free. Danny, why don't you talk us through this beautiful, beautiful uh, marine man? Oh, my God. All right. Well, stop. I mean, it's got a thigh gap, John. John, it's... What is going on here? <laughs> I mean, I don't think Marines anatomically were ever uh, built quite like that. Uh, I think that's pretty odd. I like yeah. the size of the Derringer uh, plasma pistol. No plasma um, pistol there? That for sure is going to explode. I don't know what it's going to kill. It's like they borrowed that from like Men in Black or something. I don't know. There's a Gulliman's fist uh, for the power yeah. fist oh, on yeah. the left hand side. That is the Primarch's power fist. So now you get a like a sense of the scale of this model. So you now know this person spent at least uh, twenty dollars at a recaster to buy all this stuff. Uh, well, let's see. Well, yeah, the, the difference in weapon scale uh, that Super Producer Val is showing us there. Um, Lucas, uh, would you like would you like a whole army of these guys lined up in front of you? There is that going to look amazing to you? No. One wouldn't even look remotely wor worth looking at. Wouldn't even be remotely worth looking at. So there we go. How much, time do you think, sure. um, how much time do you think this person put into to making this Marine? 
probably an unfortunate amount is the is the uh is the reality there <laughs> so much time <laughs> danny what, what else you got going on about by this young gentleman here uh with the tiny plasma pistol and you the know giant all right long i'll face. say this like obviously yeah. the person who made this has done a lot of work right and so i totally respect the hell out of that um like that they've done so much work on this model it's just the proportions are so goofy man like why is he so big what is he what is this is this like a different scale like is he making this for like the 54 millimeter millimeter inquisitor game i believe uh it was actually designed by rob layfield uh in the mid 90s um, <laughs> there's no pouches his take on the space marine. No, if you look at the belt in the center, uh, there there are certainly pouches. Uh, but yeah, just unfortunate. That's... Great stuff. What what a great way uh, to to round out uh, another amazing week in the grim dark. Uh, Lucas, thank you for succumbing so much for coming on and coming on with very short notice. I uh, loved having you here. Go ahead, plug your stuff. Uh, yeah, come listen to me and Tyler and my roommate Nick talk about uh, our games on Best of Action The Next Generation, um, where we just do tournament recaps, talk about our hobby journey, talk about our uh, competitive journey as up-and-coming players. So come listen to that. We haven't been doing normal shows for a while now, but usually our shows are 10 a.m. on Saturdays, uh, Pacific Standard Time. Uh, so yeah, come and listen. Yeah, awesome. And these guys are great players. Yeah. They're definitely rising up. Uh, top 20 at majors, like really super good there. Lucas, what's your best finish been so far? Uh, I made it to the shot around at LVO. Um, don't ask GW about that. They apparently don't think I did make it, but uh, I did. <laughs> the big GW, always trying to keep the, the young man down. Uh, Danny, yeah. anything else you want to cover here before we sign out for the week? No, no. Hey, thanks for coming on, Lucas. It was great to have you. Yeah, thanks. super great to have you. Sure, we'll have you back on here in the future. Uh, what an amazing show. Uh, I can't wait until next week as the amazing War Mistress herself, Tanya Gates, is back on uh, to help us uh, go through the community in the way we can only do. Uh, hopefully, God, hopefully. Uh, we're going to be back next Monday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Uh, until then, my name is John, Danny, Lucas. We've been through that. It's been pretty grim after dark.